Um, and gotta remind you again that this one is sponsored by security cameras. Was that? Was that me? And we're back. Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I am your co-host, Mike One. This is co-host also Mike. Mike, we have another episode of MMO Interviews today. Definitely our favorite series so far. We're Without talking question. to some really creative people, some really well-known people with millions of hits and subscribes and people who just really blow us away with their fried chicken eating and their <laughs> Star Wars watching and, of course, uh, their love for you know great stories. And, and this guy, he's hilarious. So too. we talked to Chris Reinecker, formerly yeah. of BuzzFeed, now of YouTube. He has He's a screenwriter. He works in television. He works all over the Internet. He has his own YouTube channel. That he's we want to be him. So, At some point. like most of our guests, yes, we would like to be him. Chris got famous part in part at BuzzFeed because he started a series called Chicken Watch with Keith Habersberger, him of now the Try Guys, who has they have sure. their own YouTube network. Um, in the pre-production for this interview, Mike had fifty chicken questions. I had a lot of chicken <laughs> questions. I think I got a couple. So this off was there. the hardest pre-production to parse down and get to the necessities, but it did. I leave. really liked the chicken watch videos. <laughs> managed, I really did. We managed to get there. We had a, a fantastic conversation with Chris. We talked about everything from his time at BuzzFeed, getting to BuzzFeed, being in on the improv circuit, working yes. at Second City in Chicago, how he met and for those relationships that he has with BuzzFeed, that class of interns that now really runs the internet and YouTube at large with Kelsey Derrick, the Try Guys, like I said, Brittany Ashley, the whole host of others, Michelle Carey, you've seen them all around YouTube, you've seen them on the internet in general, so yes, it was a treat and a joy for us to talk with Chris, and we thank Chris for giving us just a couple moments of his time, but we did talk about the fried chicken road to fame, we, we did, did talk about uh, what he's doing, he's doing right now a, a really cool Star Wars rewatch, but it's not a rewatch for him, he has never seen the Star Wars movie, so on his network on YouTube, he's doing a whole adult learn Star Wars for the first time. It's a hilarious season, how his friends all make fun of them they got a really big blanket that they all sit down and watch the show with a lot of funny riffs going on while they're watching that and of course he's got a podcast that's really uh, just kicking ass right now with sterling stilo brim uh, a good friends of his called wine and weed on itunes and everywhere on youtube and that yes would... that is stilo from rob dear dex ridiculousness yes. which just chris also wrote for it once upon a time so we get into the podcast uh, to bookend the show. And, of course, we ask him really ridiculous questions at the very end. This MMO interview series, Mike said, it's the favorite one for him. It's the favorite one that we do uh, for me as well by far. And it's just really cool getting into the mind and being able to pick the brain for these super creative, super funny, super interesting people on a regular basis and letting them uh, let us into their lives for you guys to all hear and hear what it takes to go into that go into those productions to get those types of Absolutely. output and the content that they make. And this one was certainly no different. It goes right to the top along with all the other ones that we've done. Uh, Chris Reinecker of YouTube fame right now. His series, Subscribe, his Star Wars rewatch series, and his podcast, Wine and Weed. You can all find those all on YouTube, youtube.com backslash Chris Reinecker. Here's our interview, MMO interviews, Chris Reinecker. It's fun. All right, on the line, Chris Reinecker, formerly of BuzzFeed, now doing his own thing on YouTube. Chris, welcome to Mike, Mike, and Oscar. Thanks for taking some time out today. Hey, nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Chris, we love Wine and Weed uh, and your podcast of the same name. Uh, how is it podcasting sober today or not? Uh, how are you feeling right now? Yeah, yeah, it's a sober podcast. It feels like the beginning of my show, but it's going to be the beginning <laughs> the entire time. I'm sure I'll adapt. So we kind of wanted to start at the beginning of your career. Uh, we loved all your stuff at BuzzFeed. How did you land that job? Did you work your way up? Did you, you start making content for them right away? Can you give us that origin story? Yeah, I guess my origin story it depends how far back you want to go. Um, I'd say I'd say my my way into BuzzFeed probably started because I created a lot of um, sketches and shorts actually during college at UCLA with my team, The Waitlist, um, and we have this team called Waitlist Comedy. It's Jordan Dunn, Ali Gondor, Ann Lane, uh, John Davies, uh, Jason Lazarus and I were kind of the live performance team. And then we had three great actors and two great, um, directors and editors that we worked with. I should say three great editors and directors that we worked with. Uh, we kind of created this conglomerate at UCLA with the film, film kids and theater kids together to create something. And every, what's really cool is like years later, everybody's 
totally doing their own thing in their different field. Uh, Anne writes for Rick and Morty now. <laughs> Jordan Dunn is writing Will Ferrell's next movie with his writing partner, Ali Gondor. You see all over TV all the time, and he's one of the main stage uh, players at UCB. Um, and we're all still working together. They're actually a few of them are in this new series that I just created on YouTube. I always try to kind of circle back to that group, but, uh, we created about 50 sketches and short films while we were at UCLA and that kind of created a portfolio that kind of, I bet helped me get everything that I got, you know, um, well actually right after college, I booked my first audition and went on a national tour, um, with a play. And then when I got back, uh, I did a bunch of auditions and got like real close, got one, got on, got a spot or two on television. And then to be perfectly honest, like my money started running low (laughs) and I was like, I guess I got to get a gig. Uh, and I saw one of my, an improviser I knew was uh, writing for Buzzfeed at the time. And I was like, this place seems kind of cool. Um, and I knew they were starting a video department So I applied and I was the first, like I wasn't quite qualified for like a a big producer position because I wasn't a very savvy editor of my own. I didn't shoot my own stuff. I didn't edit because Mm -hmm. we had this great team. But I also wasn't really low enough to enter as an intern because I had a lot of experience. Um, so I was the one, I was in the first class of Buzzfeed fellows, which, which kind of became a staple in year in months and years to come. Uh, in the second class was Zach Kornfeld from the Try Guys and, uh, Mm. uh, uh, Eugene, Ned and Keith from the Try Guys were interns in that class. So we all kind of started around a similar time. Uh, and we started, we had under a million followers. Uh, we had about 15 people. We had one row of desks and two cameras. And so I always kind of say that I started there when we had about 15 people and when I, and two cameras, when I left, we had 500 people in a studio. I mean, that is amazing. We we, now Buzzfeed wasn't always in it's the office it's in now, right? It was in somewhere else before it got to that big LA all glass encompassed office. Wasn't it? Were you there in the early, early days when it was before that office or was that where you started that, that office it's in now the HQ? Well, uh, HQ is in New York, the Buzzfeed LA office. Um, I came in, at one point they were in like a they were in like a closet in like an airbnb right like and that was that was when there were about five of them or six of them um started by zay frank i came kind of on the second leg of employees um so i came kind of like with the next dozen and that we were just a row of desks in the uh in the like in the writers uh and the business people's office and then we moved campuses and they said we were all going to move campuses. And then like a month before they were like, you know what? We think this is just videos campus. Uh-huh. And we moved to this, um, this really weird location that used to be a yoga studio. <laughs> uh, and on that property was also something that used to be a big lots and something that used to be a KFC. <laughs> <laughs> and we converted and we converted the big lots into like a sound stage and the KFC into kind of like similarly, I guess, kind of a sound stage. Uh, and the yoga weird architectural very strange building wound up being our headquarters. So that was actually a pretty cool place to work out of for a while. And then we moved to a fancy studio called Siren Studios where they like shoot Drake music videos. And <laughs> sure. Stuff. And that was that was a real like uh, that was a real culture changer. But yeah, it was definitely a very interesting ride while I was there. Out of the ruins of KFC comes Chicken Watch fame and all that. <laughs> but uh, that's amazing. Uh, so uh, what were those early uh, what was the, those early production shoots like? Was it similar to your time at UCLA, uh, kind of guerrilla film style? Or uh, I'm curious to like what lasted in terms of techniques or the tools you used then to what you're applying to your videos now. Yeah, definitely. Um, it was really similar. It was almost even more lo-fi than I the stuff I kind of made at UCLA because we had a whole team you know we had somebody who was editing and directing somebody who was doing the music did say conglomerate yeah yeah where where (laughs) when we're at BuzzFeed it's everybody has to do everything you know so you're you're shooting it you might be in it you might have an intern do sound then you're editing your whole thing you're producing it you're putting it out Uh, and of course like I'm from a scripted background I went to UCLA for acting and I always kind of was like, 
I'd rather be making, you know, sketches or shorts uh, than like, sure. you know, here's 15 celebrities without eyebrows or something like that. Not to say that that isn't a great video. I don't want to take away from that video. You hide, you hide that animosity towards that content well, though. <laughs> oh, yeah? Do I? Uh, no, but I'm <laughs> not sure if I do. But um, but so, so originally we were just um, tasked to take lists because, you know, we used BuzzFeed was just a list site before all the quizzes and news and all that stuff. It was like 15 things all tall people experience. Um, and we were, we were tasked to change those into videos. So I always wanted to kind of make those into stories. Ah. So I would say the first video that I like tried to take, instead of just taking the list and converting it into another list, I took a list. I was like, 15 awkward things you do in college. And I got my friend, Brittany Ashley, who I met in Chicago when I was on tour, um, at second city. Um, side story is that I snuck into a second city audition that I technically wasn't qualified for. And I got into the show, uh, and Brittany Ashley was one of the writers. Um, so I got to work on every Monday on our one day off from the play. I got to work on this comedy show with Brittany Ashley, um, and a team of other great writers. Uh, and okay, actually, wait, I don't mean I don't mean to cut you off there, but you you can't tease that type of story and not elaborate <laughs> on it. What happened there was how did you do that? <laughs> uh, so I was I, I as soon as I found out I was going to Chicago with the play. We were in Atlanta for three months, in Chicago for four months, in Boston for three months. Um, I was like, well. I'll do second city while I'm out there. That'll make like Chicago worth it. Cause to be totally honest, I left to go on one city. I booked this show, Peter Pan, and I was going to go to one city. It's like a 1400 seat theater. They erect a tent in every city they go to. And, um, it's kind of a spectacle of a show. And I was, we, we had a lot of prospects with our comedy group, so I didn't really want to leave. But my mom was like, Chris, you majored in theater. You booked your a job like <laughs> like you don't get to turn it down. Right. Um, so I was like, OK, cool. I'll go for one city. I'll make money and I'll come back. And actually, during that run at that city, I got in a really bad skateboarding accident mm. and I crashed into a pole and oh, um, I cracked my head open and I was in the hospital for nine days. Oh, no. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. You, you sh- I was I was way brighter before that. <laughs> uh, but that kind of, you know, that kind of wiped my funds out because that's mm. expensive to go to the hospital for nine days. So I almost like reluctantly stayed on the tour. Um, but what's funny is that like that's how I met Brittany. That's how I met Jared Popkin, who produces a lot of my stuff now. Um, that's my kind of gateway to seeing the world. So it was kind of a, a blessing in disguise, but obviously if I'm staying on, I went, I'm going to enroll in second city when I get there. And I would go to this writing one class on Mondays and I would go before and hang out in the cafe and go after and hang out in the cafe and just kind of (laughs) wait for something to happen, which I recommend to anyone in that position, like (laughs) hang out, you know? And I, I heard people talking about an audition and I was like, what, what are you talking about? What's this audition? Uh, and they were like, well, it's a writing f- four or writing three or acting four or something like that in order to do it. Um, but I had just done a big show in LA and improv an improv show that was like an American idol of improv where they like took 20 people and every week somebody would get cut and I wound up winning the show. And, and that, and it was from IO, which is big in Chicago. So I was like, maybe I can flex that muscle and and get an audition and i walked up to this lady it was actually kind of like a movie like i walk up to the front (laughs) and i go hey i'm chris like i tell her my life story and i'm like and i think i should be able to audition and she was like oh that's great i don't make that decision that guy does (laughs) and she points through glass offices to a guy a few offices in and i walked in and I didn't want to do it again, so I just went, hey, I'm Chris. Long story short, sh- short, she said it was okay for me to audition for this show. And she, like, waved like, you handle this. But it kind of looked like she was waving and going, right. I vouch for him. And he went like, all right. And I got the last audition in the show. 
And then um, they cast four women and two men, and me and Jared Popkin were the two actors cast. And that's how I met Brittany, and that's how I met Jared Popkin, and those two people I still work that's with today. Amazing. I mean, you've, you've named drop. First of all, incredible job. That's like half secret agent type stuff and half every like sitcom <laughs> or comedy movie that we've seen. That's <laughs> awesome. Uh, but you name dropped a lot of people, and you obviously you work with a lot of people from your time at BuzzFeed, still on your channel, people that are influential all throughout YouTube. You mentioned Keith and all the Try Guys there, Kelsey, you could see in your Star Wars video as well. Did, do you think that was there something in the water there at BuzzFeed? Do you generally remain tight with people you've worked with throughout your career in screenwriting and in acting and in improv? Or is it something special about just BuzzFeed that you think you're able to keep so many connections from working there? Um, I, I'm going to be honest. I mean, one thing I will kind of to my horn is, is I, I really I feel like I have a good eye for really talented people. And I'm I really love teams mm. like I I don't know if you've noticed from what I do. I, I usually love pairing with somebody in order to make something i'd rather pair with keith and make chicken watch or pair with eugene and alex and make misheard lyrics or pair with Brittany and make what we make uh i i, I or pair with the waitlist or pair with sterling with for wine and weed so i always love uh finding great teammates and i'm gonna be honest that first team at buzzfeed i, I can't remember who the hiring manager was but all they got a lot of great people real quick absolutely in that class that- that class was amazing. And it's, it's like taking over YouTube today from all you going your yeah. separate ways and your channels. Yeah. And I remember when Kelsey showed up and I remember her entire improv, her entire intern class and being like, that girl's really funny. And also me and, uh, me and Kelsey had, me and Kelsey had similar, um, uh, paths because we both went kind of from being traditional comedy actors into Buzzfeed so we actually had the same manager at three arts at the time. Oh. So I was kind of like, Oh, I know this girl has the same manager as I do. Yeah. So, and then she was really talented. So I was like, you're like, there's another team. And we created the honest series together. So I always love finding people that I think are great and sticking with them. And like relationships are one of my favorite parts about the industry. I feel like the people I'm closest to are the people I create with. So yeah, that's really important to me. And eating a lot of fried chicken along the way has got to help bond you, I think, especially like an all-day fried chicken fest. Uh, I got to ask a bunch of chicken watch questions real quick if I could. My family and friends uh, just love that, and so do I. Uh, I also love fried chicken. So, (laughs) listen, you don't have to answer which one, but did you have a favorite fried chicken? Just just yes or no. Did you think there was one best fried chicken in the world? I I think so. (laughs) I. I think Nashville hot chicken just, it was just a new nice. experience wow. that I never had. But I, I'm th- the sandwich, uh, that, that sandwich, the- I feel like from the Indian, from the Indian place, like it's like everyone has a okay. different place. Also Keith's one favorite is Tokyo fried chicken. Huh. And that one was great too. It is hard to choose. Uh, the Caribbean one was really good as well. Now I'm just leaving nice. out one, and now I look like a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> so what's it like uh, working with Keith? Uh, you have improv backgrounds together. You mentioned uh, your theater background. I'm guessing you know, you're know you improv quite a bit with those Chick Watch videos. You and Keith just getting crazy uh, for, for a whole day on fried chicken. I remember the first day Keith and I worked together um like i said we were we started like i started just before him so he was in the intern class below me and we were acting in some like things roommates do and he was just an off camera like third character and it was the first Mm -hmm. time at buzzfeed that anybody from the office i could like actually improvise with like you have there's like a depth when you look in someone's eyes when you're improvising where you're like (laughs) oh shoot we could go forever uh and then me and keith drove back together to the office and we just you know, he, he's from Chicago and he, you know, I had just been in Chicago and he went on an improv tour with his team, which is like rare to be able to make a living off of improv. So for a year before Buzzfeed, Keith had made his living just touring, uh, with mission improbable, uh, for improv. And so we really hit it off there. My team, um, praying, playing over the improv space and Westwood needed a, someone to split the hour with. And I was like, we should get Keith's team. And then, so we kind of, uh, definitely like our mutual love for improv was definitely our connection. Uh, and then when we did the chicken watch, I mean, that's all just so organic. Like that was, that was all <laughs> extremely organic. We, I think it started as Keith tweeting, like, I really want a rotisserie chicken. 
And I tweeted back, let's do it. And he tweeted, come pick me up. Hashtag chicken watch 2K15. And then we only communicated on Twitter. So people started responding like, and then we couldn't find a chicken. And then it, we turned chicken watch 2K15. We told our manager the next day, hey, this was kind of funny. People kind of started following this last night. We're wondering if it could be a whole video. And that's actually like the first like seven to 10 minute video from BuzzFeed. And it was one of the only times I've gotten an email from Zay Frank, the president, that was like, more of this. This is good. Keep doing this. And yeah, so we, so we did. And, um, we always just have so much like, that's the most fun I have. Nice. You know what I mean? That's the most fun I'm having in a video is the chicken watch. Cause it's nothing feels off limits. I'm wondering if, uh, you have to get all the wraps done before your first fried chicken meal of the day, or if the wraps, you can maintain the wrapping throughout the day. I mean, it's only so much a man can, <laughs> can handle after a fried chicken. Oh no. Uh, did you guys like, uh, improvise those at another time or? No, those are always improvised along the way. Oh my That's God. Amazing. Yeah. Those are totally completely improvised with no planning at all. And usually we actually, with the with the around the world one, because we only had one restaurant at a time, we would eat at the restaurant and then we would like, all right, let's go to the park and wrap or like, <laughs> let's go to the beach and do a freestyle or let's just drive around in a car. Those reps, those reps certainly paid off. Yeah. I was so happy to finally use my years of, you know, getting high and rapping with my friends in college. <laughs> finally got to use it for something. <laughs> It's a dream realized, and it obviously paid off in spades. Yeah. <laughs> uh, move, moving away from BuzzFeed, though, obviously, you've been out of BuzzFeed for a couple of years now. Without necessarily getting into your motivations for leaving, did you know, once you departed BuzzFeed, did you know immediately, okay, screenwriting, you know, writing for television, my own YouTube channel, that's where I'm headed? Or did you kind of take some time off from everything creatively, from a little burnout? Or how, how did you approach your departure from BuzzFeed to where you are now in YouTube? Yeah, um, I actually I had a couple things lined up. Be- so uh, Sterling Brim and I, who is now does the podcast with me, we've actually mm-hmm. known each other since we were about 20 years old. And I've always thought he's one of the most funniest people I've ever met. Mm. Um, and so he and he would come and see my shows and he was like, hey, I really want to get into comedy. So we started writing together and we started writing a bunch of sketches. And then he he got me a job writing on Ridiculousness, the show he's on. That's like a clip show. And we got a couple of our sketches funded. But then we never really pitched our show because he, he had a lot of the MTV stuff pick up. And then I got BuzzFeed and that was kind of nonstop. So we never really got to pitch our sketch show. So when I was thinking about leaving, I connected back up with him and I was like, what are we going to do with all these sketches we got? Like, let's try to get a show. And he's like, I've been waiting for you to say those words. <laughs> um, so after work, he would come over to Buzzfeed, but don't tell them that. And we would work on like kind of reformulating our show, making it fresh, <laughs> making it more modern because we had written it a few years before. And that felt promising. And a couple guys from the waitlist were about to get an ABC digital show. Um, and they told me they were busy. So they were like, you can be head writer on this show. I was like, cool. I got nice. I got one prospect. I have one job. I was bothered specifically by one action of BuzzFeeds that involves yeah, when they fired Brittany. It was really a bad day. Uh, Cause we were in the middle of a project and it was, it was like really not thinking about any, it felt like they really didn't care about me because they I'll were... be honest. I, I remember that the, because of the fellowship program that hit the trades and, and that seemed like there was like a downturn. I don't know. I, in the zeitgeist towards Buzzfeed because they started acting like any other corporation as opposed to like this, this place where they can hone creators and hone their visions. Like they sold themselves as, so I don't know if that, you know, was in line and in step with how they treated Britney and Britney's departure there. But I remember it was almost simultaneous that those kind of releases were happening. And at the same time, everyone kind of turned their nose up at Buzzfeed overall, as far as, Oh, you don't really, you do care about profits. You are just like every other corporation to put it Crassly, I'm sure. And I don't know if you can but, comment But the on reason that why they fired her was because there was apparently a non-compete clause and they just decided mm. to st- they decided one day that they were going to start implementing it. I did a Comedy Central digital series the year before. Nobody said anything. So they were picking and choosing uh, when to enforce the They just chose one day and they dropped Brittany and Jenny who just works extremely hard for BuzzFeed. So it was really confusing and it just it was it was a string of things where I was like I, I just didn't feel supported as a creator. Of course. Um 
So I left. What's what's terrible is that ABC Digital as a platform decided went underwater and decided that it wasn't going to go. So after I quit with this job in mind, I didn't have one. Oh, um, so that that was a little bit of a a little panic, a little bit of a sprint um, doing doing gigs here and there. But then Sterling and I, we hooked up with Ben Stiller's production company and we we sold our show um, to a network, which was awesome, uh, which was very exciting to kind of be going around and developing the show is this the current current show you talk about as being in development on your channel now well i we went into development and we created um we created a show and actually kind of like the business of it all like without going into too much detail the business of it all kind of uh got in the way and where like things got pushed because people didn't have time and then our sketches didn't feel relevant anymore so we kind of tried to go around to go to a network and by the end they decided to pay us out um so we are holding on to that show now um and kind of deciding what to do with it without getting into too much detail because i don't know how much detail i can really get into i'm dying to know uh how you kind of handle the development process for for half your life or half your day or half your week, and then you can kind of go and do whatever you want with your own channel. How do you switch gears like that? Because you're you're working for one, you know, all the all the suits over there in the production company, and then you can kind of just you know let your hair down and wine and weed. I mean, etc. With with your own stuff, how, how do you balance that? Or is the wine and weed actually how you do that? <laughs> maybe sometimes uh you know it's tough because it it, i mean that is kind of the ultimate dilemma is that um you know i i oftentimes look at my one of my best friends jordan dunn who i have mentioned a few times he really took the screenwriting route and he's very successful and he's very funny um Mm. and he's made you know, good amount of money and he's been writing professionally for four years, but nothing that he's made has come out yet. Mm. You know what I mean? Like Mm. that's how long it takes in Hollywood. It just takes so long to make things. And that process being in that for a year and doing all those auditions and getting so far and feeling so successful, but not really having that much to show for it, um, was kind of like getting to me. And that's really what I loved most about BuzzFeed was that ability to just create something new every week right. and get people to see it and interact with the audience. And, you know, all those reasons why, like, I love live shows is what it felt like in that case, where to, like, sit in a back room for so long. That's that's tough, especially when, you know, something like Sterling and I worked on this for a year and then we're like, are people even going to be able to see this? Or we might have to even rewrite this as times change. Um, and that's just, it's just a little bit of a bummer. And I, and I, I'm a little bit like, I think we can do it ourselves. I like the, you can do it yourself model. So it, it is a balance and it is, it, it, I, for a while, you know, I, I did do that before I started the YouTube channel. We actually sold the show before I made the first video for the YouTube channel. And then I made all those videos while we were in development because it's such a slow process. And then I kind of went back to it. So it's, it's just kind of about doing both at the same time. That's how I feel. But I'm sure there's some people who are like, you put your head down and you can go the development route or you can jump on a team, a writing team, or you can, um, you know, be an assistant in a writer's room. Um, but I, I was almost trying to like jump that step by just doing it myself. So we want to get into some of your uh, series of videos in a, in a minute, but I'm just curious right off the bat, you got such a fun ru- rubric for chicken. A c- you learn so much. You learn so much at BuzzFeed. Can you put a rubric on what kind of qualities you want to have in, a, in in your video and what kind of qualities that you're shooting for there? Is there a sexy not a wow factor? What what kind of what kind of, what do you how do you go with that? Huh, like what's the rubric for a good YouTube video? <laughs> Yeah, what's the rubric for a good YouTube Also, video? I've incorporated the sexy nod just into my day-to-day attire, so I appreciate you that for uh, introducing that to us. That's good, as you should. Um, let's see. Well, what's interesting is that the, the one thing that maybe, maybe I don't love about YouTube but is, is, is true is that it all starts with that title and thumbnail. I remember yeah. I was in a meeting at BuzzFeed at one point where we, we said we'd do a deep dive on the channel, and then we were only talking about titles and thumbnails. Mm. And I remember, this was on the early days, I got pretty upset in the middle of a meeting. I was like, we're doing a deep dive? We're not talking about the content? 
But they were like, that is such an important part is that title and thumbnail for YouTube. Um, but the mm. same thing with writing, right? The same thing with pitching a screenplay. You need that log line, right? Yep. You need, you know, uh, Snyder, what's his name? The Save the Cat. Um, yeah. uh, he says you need to uh, the, get your, your pitch when someone's reading the right. newspaper and they want to go see a movie. You know, what? how are they going to explain to your what's friend, about? Your friend yep. what your movie is about? Otherwise, you're not going to have a movie. So, like, that title and thumbnail is... Uh, is definitely included in the rubric, whether we like it or not. And then as far as the in the inside of a YouTube video or a scene or a sketch, I mean, like the, the things that I like to uphold, I, I ask where the relationship is. Um, I think that's what, we're at, what I did kind of by making those list videos into uh, little shorts or sketches was kind of going, well, what's the relationship here? And then what's the change that's mm. happening by mm. the beginning, middle and end? My little hack that I love doing is if I don't know how to end something, usually you have a gift at the beginning that you've already given yourself to wrap it on through. And then I throw some sort of runner into it. That's kind of my, <laughs> those are my YouTube <laughs> video hacks probably. Well, you are um, certainly uh, one of the more creative. And when you went on your own and started your own channel, uh, uh, the subscribe series that is sprawled over 20 some odd videos that you wrapped up, I think in the 20, started in 2017 anyway. Uh, it's one of the more creative introductions into the YouTube space I personally have ever seen being a huge YouTube junkie myself. How? Hell in, yeah, thank you so much. Oh, in, in all seriousness, and I, I truly do mean that, but how in God's name do you come up? Like, <laughs> do you have an ending in mind when you start something like that? Or is it just worried? Are you just focused on getting the, the you know, the premiere done, including that long one shot ending with the choreographed dance and then your, <laughs> your, your double appearing and all that? Yeah, I knew I knew a little bit. I knew I knew kind of where it was going to go. I knew that eventually my character was I knew that the advertisers were going to take over the channel, that they were going to win <laughs> and that it was going to make me want to go back and not make the channel to begin with. And so I knew all that was going to happen. I knew there was going to be some weird time travel element. <laughs> uh, and, but I didn't know exactly how that was going to play out. You know what I mean? I didn't know exactly what the steps were to get there. I had maybe the first six, like almost completely done um, by the time I made that first one. And I kind of wanted the idea that they start very creative uh, almost abstractly creative. Like the first one, what was I just talking about is like a bunch of illustrations and a conversation to nowhere. Yes, yes, yes. Abstractly, abstractly creative is a fair way of describing <laughs> yeah. it, as I would say. Yes. And then uh, <laughs> get slowly getting more and more structured to the point where it's just a rap song of relatable things. You know what I mean? Uh, which is very YouTube in my mind. It's very... Uh, you know, kind of BuzzFeed so meets Logan too. Paul <laughs> or meets Jake Paul, I guess. Well, that's and it's so needed because, you know, the BuzzFeed, not to keep harping on BuzzFeed, but those big conglomerate type corporations that have taken over the YouTube space and kind of frozen out the true creators to see someone that has their own audience and voice here poke fun at those tropes, so to say, in their own way and giving a little wink and a nod to other people that are also sick of that kind of branded content. I think it's really, it's a fertile enough ground where people can highlight it and such as yourself. I think you do a masterful job at it, honestly. Thank you so much. Yeah, I mean, my main, I mean, you know, kind of my main founding sentence of it was that I saw YouTube as this beautiful place where creators can create what they want and they can find an audience. And that's kind of what I saw it as when I was like making stuff with the waitlist. We weren't trying to go viral. We were just putting things that we thought were funny on the internet. Uh, and then, uh, and then um, all of a sudden it was like, well, then I'm going to put it on YouTube so that I can become famous and so that I can put ads out. And it right. was like, mm. it, 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 it was so sad to me that like a younger version of myself may not have been able to make those 50 things just to make things that they thought were interesting or funny. Instead, they are just making things that they can sell and that they can make ads. And to me, that like felt like wrong. You're not alone. I mean, it's certainly. And I feel like YouTube will take those creative people and they'll 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 replace them with a robot that is there for to make ads you know and and make things that are proven so i just did that very literally right and then i and then at the end my character realizes that the person behind um the person who is making him do that all along is himself right it's himself from the future it's it's that like that that's there's is a part of me that is that title thumbnail guy who's like 
well, how's it going to get clicked on though? Right. Uh, and that, that, I mean, you, you need that guy, you need that part of you in order to succeed or else you're just making brilliant things in a corner and no one's seeing them, you know, it's such a necessary tightrope. Yeah. Yeah. So, and eventually, unfortunately, like that ad guy does win, you know, that mm. you, you can't just be that creative person because then no one ever sees the things you make. Um, so that was kind of just the dilemma that I was dealing with and I was just kind of demonstrating it. Yeah, we love the uh, the meta narrative of that one and uh, bringing the subtext right to the text and uh, Ed, you play it like a, a maestro there. We also love the uh, the commentary videos that, that you, you just started the new uh, series, the Star Wars Rewatch, and uh, you released the first video for that. I'm very curious. Uh, look, Mike and I both have lapses in our movie watching lives uh, and we've had friends or co-hosts that make merciless fun <laughs> of uh, us for not seeing those films but i'm curious did you ever have a chance to watch star wars over these last 10 years before this moment and just like rejected it straight out of hand because no i'm like the guy who hasn't seen star wars and i don't want to give in to all this peer pressure you know in a sense uh, my friend Jordan, like that's uh, completely honest, is that he is such a big Star Wars fan and has been wanting me to see this movie for 10 years. One time we all got together to watch it because it's Chris versus time watching Star Wars. And then everybody was just talking over it. And I was like, you guys, I can't hear it. And like just before we were like mm. while we were in the desert, I like turned it off and I was like, this isn't the right way to watch it. And so that's really the only <laughs> time I like tried to watch it. Um, but then, yeah, I don't know. I, I, it is like a, a little bit of a point of pride. That's for sure. Um, that I, and it's, I know it's unusual that I haven't seen all these movies. There's actually this long interview with Keith at the beginning where I'm like, yeah, we love it. Where I'm kind of figuring out that I didn't include in the video yet where I'm kind of like a psychoanalyzing myself. Like why, why didn't I ever get into these? <laughs> It's a few different things. My my mom limited screen time, and I used to watch TV, so I kind of just couldn't watch movies uh -huh. because I only had two hours of screen time a day. Makes sense. You know, and so I would watch TV. Um, and then, yeah, I think there's a little bit of, like, I, I don't know. I, I, I made a lot of stuff, and I went and, got, went and played and used my own imagination, and... I, I don't know. I just there there's the that's Star Wars isn't the only big franchise I haven't seen. Oh no. Unfortunately. What, what else is on that list? Can you You guys are title? movie buffs. You're gonna hate me. I get so <laughs> nervous. Well no, like Mike said, truly both of us have we have lapses. Yeah, huge gaps as far as things that we should have watched. Oh you do? Oh yeah, for sure. Like I've never seen Back to the Future at any of them. It's just not. Wow. Not I know. I'm a bad person. I shouldn't be a movie critic, but that's one of my holes. <laughs> I, I just haven't seen it. So you're in good company here. Don't worry. That That's a good one. That's a good never seen because we kind of want to keep this series going with different franchises. Back to the Future is good. I've seen Back to the Future. Um, I haven't seen any Lord of the Rings. <gasps> that's yeah, That's also Mike's territory there. <laughs> yeah. so, so when did you get the idea that we, we just got to watch this movie and, and make a video of it? How, how did this series come about? You, like you said, you tried to watch it with your friends. Where did you get that humongous blanket? I got to know these <laughs> things. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... So I, I, I saw the reaction series were hitting online, right? Mm. And I I just thought they were they like I always am trying to take a real style of video and kind of make it the best way I possibly can. Um and I saw the reaction videos were becoming really popular. So I was like, what's a cool way to do this? And I, I met up with Jared Popkin actually, who's the friend who I met ten years ago at Second City, and we um got this concept it was partially like borrowing different things we've seen and we we're like okay what if we all watch it in front of a green screen um and i was like let me bring in all these funny people because i think that'll be better than me watching alone like i said i like teams right. and the way that it wound up getting the movie theater is just extremely organic and lucky um because i have a deal with awesomeness and i was supposed to film in front of their green screen, but they had just moved into Viacom and Viacom's green screen was super lame. It was like really bad. And it was in the middle of an office and it would have been, it would have been bad. Um, and basically without getting too into it, one of my friends kind of 
runs like a mansion. <laughs> like somebody has kind of an event space. He runs in a Hills. mansion. It's like a twenty-five million dollar house. It's kind of insane. Uh. Uh, but it's like an event space, and he he always like wa- he's always very supportive. And I called him like four days before, and I was like, "Hey, I was supposed to shoot this at Viacom. Is there any way I can shoot in your like mansion, in your garage? Oh, yeah, in your mansion, in, in your mansion's garage. That's like like when you look at like our interview, and you're like, what is this like? Yeah, what are these? What is this world? That is that's that's their garage. There's like a McLaren in the corner while we're shooting. <laughs> um, it's pretty crazy. But and they were also renovating their movie theater. So they had just moved out a bunch of movie theater seats in the garage. Oh, so wow. we just put them that's up. Serendipitous. It was like it was it was all amazingly organic. <laughs> and it, I'm so thankful that he came through for me. Um, and we shot him downstairs and he's you know, he's trying to create more content. And bring in creators that make it's an incredibly content. clever series. Um, so I'm just extremely gra- grateful that uh, that we have that. But yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's truly yeah, is. It. Uh, I guess a couple questions just to wrap up here with the Star Wars. Um, have you already? Are you done through them all? Are you? Have you seen them all? I've seen five of them. Okay, I have okay. one more to see because what we had to do a half day one day. I was supposed to see all six. I was supposed to see six. The next one has Brittany Ashley in it. Um, oh, good. And then we kind of have a whole new cast for the third, which is uh, Torian Miller, who played Tony in in the series, the like mm-hmm. the um, the sponsors like you know manager or whatever. Right, very the, funny. The guy that sure. they, uh, he's he's very funny. He's on a team called Three Pete from Chicago, and they're doing great stuff with Comedy Central right now. Uh, Jared Popkins mm. in that one. And then I got Sterling to come in to watch the prequels with me and him watching the prequels is hilarious. <laughs> uh, so it's going to be a good series. I'm going to, I'm going to put them out every week for the next nice. four weeks or five I, weeks. I can't wait. Um, I wanted to fit something scripted in between. Yeah, but it's, it's, uh, they're really fun. I'm, I'm editing one of them right now. Uh, did you find it difficult to find to forge an emotional relationship with the characters when you had Kelsey Derrick next to you talking about railing lines off Han Solo's bare chest? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah Kelsey was so. I mean, I mean, I knew I, I was trying to pay attention. Kelsey's only there for one. I have to watch the next six, so I was a little <laughs> bit like, let me pay attention to what's happening. But I, I was super into it. I think uh, Keith's energy and Jordan and Ali's energy mm. uh, like helped stick me in it. Um, and as I was editing, I thought it was funny, the the dichotomy between Kelsey's boredom and my <laughs> interest. Um, yes, yeah, definitely is clever and very fun to watch and watch along with you as you experience that. I guess it's just a, a means of wrapping up here. I know you're a little pressed for time. We thank you uh, for, for giving us a little time yeah, out of your thanks, schedule Chris. here, but you got a big day coming out on your channel Saturday. We just want to give you give our audience a little chance to preview that. What do you have uh, on deck here for this Saturday coming up? Yeah, on YouTube.com slash Chris Reinecker, my channel, I got the Empire Strikes Back episode of Star Wars, which features Keith Habersberger and Brittany Ashley, Jordan Dunn, and Ollie Gondor, two members of the wait list to tie it all together, (laughs) and and two Chicago comedy people who are great, and uh, and then on Wine and Weed, uh, which you can find on iTunes or Spotify Mm -hmm. or any place you get your podcast, or go to YouTube.com slash Wine and Weed. Uh, Stilo and I interviewed Machine Gun Kelly and we did a 420 special. Um, so So it's, we, we hang out, we smoke about three times more than we usually smoke on that (laughs) show. It is a holiday after all. (laughs) It is a holiday. We also have a professional chef who is feeding us weed at a weed, like edible, beautiful (laughs) meals through it. Jesus. I was supposed to edit the I, for a little bit behind the scenes is we usually release on Wednesday morning. And um, I was very high for the rest of the day on Tuesday. <laughs> and uh, it was hard to edit. I was high until about 5 p.m. the next day. Hey, free oh, idea here. Yeah. Rewatch all the Star Wars movies for your second time on wine and weed and with that chef. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I, it would just be me on the couch. It would just be me dead. No, but Machine Gun Kelly was an awesome interview. He's a really funny guy, and he was a and really down to earth guy, a really That's great awesome. person to talk to. 
and uh yeah it was a really fun day so i got to celebrate my 420 a little early i'll probably take it easy on saturday since i went so hard <laughs> on tuesday when we shot it that's awesome chris uh we just wanted to thank you again uh mike's got one final question for you we'll be looking forward to that uh that video and 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 the rest of the year's worth of videos coming with the wine and weed podcast on itunes as well again man thank you so much for being here yeah truly thank you chris for, for your time Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate you guys reaching out and, uh, you know, knowing my discography, if you will. Uh, um, thank you for does. making such and, quality content yeah. to, to let it be known. I mean, if you keep up the thank great you. work. I, I, I'm also happy to talk. I, I feel like I haven't really gotten to talk about subscribe kind of as myself. I only kind of put mm. it out um, as this narrative character and then kind of let it let it sit. So I'm. Um, I'm happy well, to feel talk free about to come back to anytime because I have about a billion more questions about what went on in that series. So. <laughs> We're on page one of the document still. <laughs> but that's oh, right. really? <laughs> no, yeah, seriously, yeah. We we have a bunch more questions, but we know you're a little pressed for time. But we could have done this all day with you, so we'll have to yeah. have you back sometime. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. Thank you. I mean, yeah, I, I'd love to. I'd love to come back and talk about it. I I'm just trying to get these edits done by the weekend you know what i mean oh yeah absolutely no we know uh, content first we understand absolutely we can relate to that um <laughs> content 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 <laughs> all right chris yeah we have a little bit of a tradition here on uh, mike mike and oscar for our mmo interviews questions we like to ask our guests if they could pitch us what their version of the worst movie possible would be so we know you have this background in screenwriting and acting and improv using all of that uh what is the chris reinecker version of the worst possible movie ever made it's funny because i was trying to think about these and then every time you think of a bad idea you're like i don't know that that maybe maybe that's a movie <laughs> somebody like, should make that yeah like, maybe that's pretty good <laughs> um i feel like something really boring just like a bunch of ice bucket challenges back to back pretty pretty terrible very boring just for um, 90 minutes straight you yes. know actually uh, on this 420 special that just a preview of it on saturday we find out that the declaration of independence is written on hemp and oh. uh and then we thought of the stupidest movie ever where it's national treasure meets harold and kumar where um, they huh. basically just try to go smoke the Declaration of Independence. I, that's actually pretty good, though. <laughs> then again, again, you're like, should we not use that? Should we actually just trademark that? Is that a billion-dollar like, idea? As Harold and Kumar, that works. But if it's as Nick Cage trying to rescue it from Harold and Kumar's mouth, I could see that being awful. Uh, okay, yeah. <laughs> How about smoking Nick Cage's wig from that movie? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, that'll give you a whole nother movie. Smoking, I think smoking wigs uh, feels like a weird movie I don't want to watch. There you so go. It's basically any any kind of like done for content for content's sake. Maybe this will go viral and I'll get famous mm. for like 90 minutes straight or two hours. You sound like you wouldn't be a fan. No, of no. You know what I always yeah, I'm also I'm kind of hating on. I feel like I feel like a lot of times when that comes up in like 24 hour film festivals, there's like there's like half the people just make a movie about not being able to think of a movie. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever seen people <laughs> yes, do that? Yeah. I'm always like, don't do that. <laughs> I'm like, don't don't make that. But I feel like we've all made that at one point. Right. You know, any Writers creator has movie. made some meta and of course there have been great versions of it. Adaptation is one of my favorite Adaptation. movies. Yeah. And Naturally. that's a movie about making a movie. Uh, noises off is a great play. That's a play about a play. Um, but mm-hmm. I always feel like in like a bunch of 24 hour poem competitions, you're going to get like three people that were obviously like, what's our idea? What if this is the idea? Us <laughs> trying to think of the idea. Um, so may- that's probably a movie unless very creatively done. I don't want to see, but you know, I think anything you do it in a, in a creative way and you take a new approach on it, I think every movie can be interesting in some way or another if, if you get a concept. You know? How heartwarming and nice he is that from one of the most talk. creative people on YouTube right now, Chris Reinecker, not even going to dabble in the worst movie ever made. He turns <laughs> use that and turns it into an inspirational speech for you, dear listeners. Thank you very much, Chris. That was awesome. Thanks, Thank you once again for your time, man. This was a load of fun. We got to have you back sometime. Thanks so much. Great talking to you guys. Yeah, I'd love to come back. (laughs) We'll talk to you soon. See ya. All right, see ya. 
the one thing I've learned from all these interviews is just what workaholics these people are. Absolutely. That just are nonstop, creative, all day, every day, all the time. And Chris, no different. An amazing talk. Really enlightening and fun. And funny. I can't thank him enough. It, it was really uh, another great episode of MMO Interviews. Go back, listen to all our others. This is number seven in that series, uh, our favorite series, like we said at the top of the show. But, of course, go follow Chris Reinecker. He's facebook.com backslash Chris Reinecker. Two R's on the end of that. He's at Chris Reinecker on Twitter. He's uh, Chris Reinecker, one word, on uh, Instagram there. And, of course, his YouTube channel is his name, Chris Reinecker, or youtube.com backslash Chris Reinecker, E-I-N-A-C-H-E-R. Easy enough. I mean, beautiful job. He said everything that we needed to say, (laughs) we needed to say, and we don't need to wrap it up in any way for him. It was an awesome job by him. Uh, And like we said, hopefully we can have him back on again at some point soon. Guys, if there's anyone out there that you would like to see us interview or you would like to hear from on our podcast and hear our our token interview voices for, uh, be sure to reach out. Tag them in a post with us. Let us know. Reach out to us somehow. You can reach us, Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook, Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Instagram, at MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com, and on Reddit, we are available everywhere you hear podcasts tune in stitcher soundcloud itunes spotify google play etc etc michael another great mmo interviews episode in the books how about some words of wisdom to go into the weekend with yeah it's wise to hit subscribe it's wise to watch his subscribe series there on uh, on his youtube channel chris reinecker but uh i can't wait to watch his empire strikes back uh star wars video because it's gonna be a busy saturday on youtube for us i yeah, think it's, it's gonna be a lot of fun because that movie has some big moments oh, that's yeah. To watch him watch those for the first time, and then that gang of uh, characters he's got sitting next to him on that humongous couch with that u- enormous blanket. I, I can't would wait. love to get Kelsey on this program and talk to her and pick her brain because <laughs> watching that movie next to her just sounds like labor. <laughs> she did just a great job undercutting it and a really clever series for Chris to put yeah. on and he is uh, very wise with his casting I yeah, think she's hilarious yeah. they're hilarious great show and they can they can eat the freak out of fried chicken they're great at that <laughs> alright guys uh, be sure to check out Chris's stuff on his YouTube channel and uh, both Chris Reinecker on YouTube and Wine and Weed's channel on YouTube a lot of stuff like you heard coming out Saturday uh, when reality sucks you can come watch movies with us you can come listen to our interviews you can go check out Chris's channel to keep you busy throughout the week and I want to thank you. Have a great weekend, guys, and we will talk to you soon. I'm hungry. See (laughs) you. If you know me, you know that when I make something, I want it to be the best that it can possibly be. I don't just want to make a vlog. I want to make a one-shot video with visual effects that ends in an architectural dream with a concert violinist. Ladies and gentlemen, Alan Price.